0: And amen. Well, welcome, everybody. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Nancy Valnez, one of our extraordinary missionaries. Would you give her a big hand here today? <laughs> And Nancy, why don't you share with everybody kind of about what's been going on and where you're heading?
1: All right, thanks. Well, first of all, I have always liked that picture. It was a long long time ago, though. Hmm. I guess I need to get you a new picture, don't I? That's great. Go with it. Stay with it. (laughs) Well, good morning. It's so good to be here with you. Thank you so much for leading in that beautiful worship. Like, where are those worship leaders? Boy, that was good theology. That's good. I love singing good theology. It's so so good for the soul. Those are the words we need to be repeating through the week when we face stuff that just doesn't make sense, right? So anyway, um, just want to give you a little bit of background on myself because it kind of explains how I got to be where I am. I kind of have a niche ministry. So I felt called to missions when I was a teenager. And I told my family and I told my church that I was called to missions and that I was going to go to deepest, darkest Africa. That's what I said. Like, maybe it was a God thing because I ended up in deepest, darkest Africa. Like, uh, but not immediately. See, my church and my family knew that I needed to do something to get myself to the mission field because I wanted to be a career missionary. So like it was my calling in life. It was going to be my career, my career ministry. So I went to Northwest and then I went to nursing school and started applying for missions. And like I said, I actually ended up in deepest, darkest Africa. I ended up, my first term was in Zaire, the middle of the jungle, pygmy jungle. There were really pygmies there. I have lots of stories I could tell about Africa, but when I started, Nursing school. I graduated in 1987. I never dreamt that my whole ministry would end up evolving around the Mm -hmm. HIV AIDS epidemic. And when I got to Africa, that's exactly what I found men and women with HIV infection and dying from AIDS. Men, women, children, babies. And I came alongside them, you know, with my background in nursing. I was, you know, able to, well, it's not really. There wasn't very much to be done for someone dying from AIDS in those days except just teach family how to take care of them so they could die maybe in a little more comfortable body position, if that makes sense. It was really all very miserable. But it was good ministry because even in that context, you know what, Jesus is present and he loves and he saves. And even though he may not heal all our physical ailments, He heals us from the inside. And then, you know, so many of these people ended up, you know, in eternity um, with Jesus because of the message that the church was able to share as they came alongside them in their suffering. So I did that in in Africa for 15 years. And uh, my next overseas assignment after that was in in the country of Russia. Now, I'm from Bremerton. grew up during the Cold War. I thought that the Russians were our enemies. We used to do hit the, hit the deck drills, you know, like dive under the desk because that would save us from Russian nuclear fallout. I don't know how effective uh, desks are at saving schoolchildren's, but that's what we did. Um, so to find myself in Russia was really pretty shocking. Now I. It's not like I just ended up in Russia. I mean, I had to come back to America. I was raising money. I fought to get to Russia. Matter of fact, last time I was here, I was uh, returning to Russia for yeah. another assignment. And I, you know, I, the, the political situation now in Russia, I, I like hardly even know how to talk about it because I love Russian people. I love Ukrainian people. I have friends on both sides. Um, I tell you, uh, Russia is breaking my heart. Russia is absolutely breaking my heart. And I grieve for the people of Ukraine and I grieve for the people of, of Russia who are seeing the gains of the last decades just removed from them. Hmm. Um, so it was really a, a privilege to be able to live in that country. And while I was there, I worked in uh, El- um, Pentecostal Church-Associated Alcohol and Drug Rehab Centers. Rehab ministry is very, very powerful. When the church reaches out in love and compassion and reaches out and brings people to a saving knowledge of Jesus and a place where they can recover, they can get over their addictions, that is powerful stuff. And when people fall, I mean, how many, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but uh, even in my family, Uh, we've had people who have been on drugs and then have gone back and forth and back and forth and that's heartbreaking but the Russian church does that really, really well. There was a man that one of the, uh, some of the leaders of a rehab center that I was working with, they picked him off the side of the road. His name was Sasha. It was actually late fall. It was getting to be cold. It was probably high 20s, low 30s and they this man was laying with clothes on the side of the road he had literally gone out there and laid down because he was ready to die there was no hope for him mm. and there really wasn't wow. any there really wasn't any hope for him he had he he had advanced age stage 4 stuff he looked mm. like any mm. of those poor africans That's rough looked when they were dying from AIDS back in the the 90s. He was emaciated and he had all these horrible infections all everywhere and, oh, it was just awful. But you know what, The, the rehab leaders picked him up, kept him in the rehab center and ministered to him and accompanied him to death. They were like with him when he died and they, then they picked up his body and built a box and, Put him in the ground with a cross so he'll be remembered. You know, it's a a pretty gritty world out there, you know. A lot of grit and a lot of pain, but a lot of beauty as well that comes when the church is the church and works out, speaks out in love and compassion. So I thought I would be in Russia until I retired, but that wasn't meant to be. So now I have an opportunity to return to Europe. Well, you know, parts of Russia are actually considered Europe, so I say return to Europe because, you know, if you consider Russia to be a part of Europe, but whatever. Um, I'm going to be going to Central Europe, basing out of the city of Vienna, so that's a new one. Didn't see that coming. Uh, Remember back in the day, there was that song, please don't send me to Africa, don't think. Remember that song? Yeah. No. Please don't send me to Africa. I won't sing it anymore. Who remembers that song? Please don't send me to. OK. I'm a bad singer. There are some people who remember. So um, I never I never saw I never saw Vienna coming. But I believe that it's going to be a very strategic place for me to base. It will give me access to alcohol and drug rehab centers throughout uh, Central and Southeast Europe coming alongside men and women who are infected with HIV, but also those who are at risk of HIV. And there's some really good ministry involved in this. When you come alongside suffering people, you have, you're you you you're close enough to be able to share from your heart. And, you know, with some of these Russians that I worked with, I just, I was, I just felt like I could come up to them. And in my heart, I was like reaching out to them and just grabbing them and squeezing them, just like being that close. I got to be that close to Russian people and to just kind of squeeze the love of Jesus into them, you know, and, hmm. and you know, Russia or uh, Europe is, is so sophisticated, certainly Vienna, Poland, Germany, these are very sophisticated countries. But you know what, people are lost and they need Jesus because they've never heard. And when you work in this kind of earthy ministry, it's really earthy, you know? Mm -hmm. It's kind of (laughs) down there and the grit and the grime and just have the opportunity to come alongside people and just, you know, I'm not really hugging them, but I'm hugging them in my heart. And Mm -hmm. it's just such a privilege to be so close, to be so close to people and in their suffering. So. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the next uh, for the years to come. And I want to thank you so much, Pastor Rob, for um, the many years of support. You you guys have been on my support team since the very beginning. So like 35 years, something like that. Um, I am very much a, a product of this local church. So thank you, BCA, for partnering with me. Thank you for partnering with so many missionaries across the globe and, of course, for those that you as a church go out and minister to. So thank you, local church, for that. And I'm so thankful for a local church who loved me and supported me in my call and in my vision. And I would just encourage you to continue to love and encourage the men and women in your church that God has given these visions to for ministry, Mm -hmm. so thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Nancy. We thank you, Nancy, for your faithfulness uh, through all these years, and uh, what a joy it has been for us to partner with you, and uh, you know, we have many medical professionals in our church, and of course, uh, this is a church that really focuses on compassion in our community, so the very ministry that you discuss and you do, uh, really resonates with us. So uh, it's such important work to show the love of Jesus in that way. So thank you, thank you. Friends, I've asked Nancy to uh, join us as we celebrate communion today. And I encourage you to take the bread and the cup. And uh, today I want us to be uh, thinking about all Jesus Christ has done for us, but with a little bit of a missions uh, awareness. You know, as we gather here today, we uh, are blessed to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Somewhere along the way, someone shared with us the good news of God's love. And we committed our lives to Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven. We're on our way for he- to heaven. And as we take the bread, we remember what Jesus did on the cross. As we take the cup, we remember his spilled blood on our behalf on the cross. But so many people around the world have yet to even hear about God's love. And as we celebrate communion here today, during this Lent season... I want to encourage you to really kind of hold those in juxtaposition. On one hand, we are overwhelmed by the love of God shown to us, but the reality is everybody everywhere needs to know of God's love. Amen? Amen. And that's why we talk about missions today, and that's why we did last week and last Saturday night and will throughout the year. So I want you just to bow your hearts and heads, and I want you to go ahead and... uh, Take the bread and take the cup as you desire. I've asked Nancy to lead us in prayer. And so feel free to take the bread and cup as you desire. Nancy, please pray.
1: Jesus, we're so thankful that we know you, that we're gathered to worship you in freedom in this beautiful, this warm facility with the smell of coffee permeating the halls. Mm -hmm. Jesus, we have so much. We have so many resources. We are so blessed And yet we are so aware of the achy, hurting world outside our doors. Jesus, America needs you. I thank you for the churches present in this nation. I thank you for the Christian messages that we hear in media and through the airwaves. Jesus, thank you for those. Thank you for for your presence in this nation. Jesus, we lift up our eyes and we look even further to places that have no, even have people who don't even have any access to the gospel, people who have never heard your name. And Jesus, they will never hear it unless those who are called are sent out and actually proclaim the gospel. Mm -hmm. Jesus, it looks different. There are different ways of, of sending the gospel out. We have our methodology, these missionaries that go out and from churches and and denominations, Jesus used those workers to share the gospel. And Jesus, I pray for the persecuted church, for those who are in nations yes, where they have, where they are st- stepping out in faith Thank you, and, Lord. and putting aside their fears. May they be warriors, Jesus, to share their faith even under the threat of persecution. That they would share their faith. That people would come to know you one by one and that you would gather those believers together into communities of faith and that they would multiply and that they would share their faith despite persecution they would share and that your gospel would go out a person at a time a person at a time until it literally encompasses the thank earth. you lord thank and you jesus lord. we look forward to the day when you will return and may we be a faithful bride waiting for you and doing the work to spread your gospel. We thank you, Jesus, for these things in your name.
0: Amen, amen. Take the bread, take the cup if you haven't already. God bless you, everyone. And thank you, Nancy, so much for being with us today. Would you thank her one more time for being at BCA? If you were not with us last Sunday, you uh, didn't receive one of our uh, missions booklets, they are at the Connection Center. I would encourage you to grab one on your way out. If you're interested at all to learn about uh, the vision and philosophy of missions here at BCA, Uh, I always like to use this book to uh, just really help everybody understand this is a big deal for us here at Bethany. If you turn to the middle pages, you'll see a, a prayer journal. Missionary after missionary, just like Nancy Valnez, are pictured. Uh, Their place of ministry, for the most part, is listed in here, unless they're in a sensitive area. And uh, I want you to join the the growing number of people that are praying every day for a a different, various missionary. That God will just bless them, give them health, give them strength, raise finances, raise up leaders and workers. It's also a giving prospectus. If you turn to the opening pages, you'll see uh, really a record of our giving last year, the last several years, and really our goal uh, for the year ahead. And uh, I'd love for you to just uh, look at that, study it, pray with us that God will do something amazing through our church family. If you turn to pages uh, eight and nine and so forth, you'll see uh, that it's also a go planner. It's a tremendous opportunity to be a part of uh, the upcoming short-term outreach missions trips. By the way, there's a sign-up table in the lobby if you're interested, and there's also a meeting in room 148 right after the service. If you'd like to go on a short-term outreach missions trip, we would love to have you consider that. So make sure you pick up one of those uh, missions books on your way out. We appreciate that very, very much. And thank you, everybody, for uh, being a part of global missions here at BCA. Last Sunday was a great Sunday as we celebrated our 80 missionaries. Last Saturday night, a week ago, uh, Saturday night, uh, our 10-year anniversary of Global Church Partnerships that I'll allude to in a few minutes. Just a great celebration. I want to thank our uh, missions director, uh, uh, Pete Michelle. I want to thank our missions advisory team that's listed in the book. Uh, Folks have just really, really worked hard to make this such a great week. Would you celebrate them with me by thanking them for all their hard work? Today, I want to uh, introduce our uh, message by reminding us that we're in this series on Lent. And, uh, you know, several weeks ago, we started with a message on soul surrender, and we looked at James chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 6. And then uh, three weeks ago, we started looking at Matthew chapter 6, the greatest Lent sermon ever preached by Jesus himself, where he says, I want you to pray, I want you to give, I want you to fast. He doesn't say if you do it or, you know, think about doing it. He says when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. It's expected normative behavior for every Christ follower. Jesus says if anyone wants to come after me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. We as Christ's disciples engage in the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines that Jesus engaged in. and Jesus prayed. He fasted. He gave gave his life, and he was all about serving other people, and we want to walk in his footsteps. So this Lent, I want to encourage you to really think about living, loving, and leading like Jesus by thinking about the lost. What... Do we need to adjust in our own lives to align our heart with the heart of Christ? Jesus came for the lost. God sent his son for the lost. Jesus died on the cross for the lost. He says, As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Go into the highways and byways. Share the good news of God's love. There's no way getting around it. The lost are on the heart of God. When is the last time you prayed? For the lost? When is the last time you gave so lost people could find their way to Christ? When is the last time you fasted for the lost? When you give, when you pray, when you fast. For me, as a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, there's something about Lent and the Great Commission that screams, Purpose! We are people with a purpose. We are to be passionate about the purposes of God. We are to stop and ponder and reflect on that. And I know for many of you that is what you believe as well. And yet we live in a day, we live in a society where many people feel the point of life is pleasure. How can I find pleasure? How can I seek after things to bless me, myself, and I? Ask yourself this question. If your greatest dreams, your, your focus in life is I can't wait till I get that bigger house, that better car, that new iPhone, that new gadget, that new boat, that new this, that new that, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if that's all you're thinking about, guess what? You're missing something really important. The things that are on the heart of God, which are the things that last forever, which is people. If your future, your dreams, your passions, your purpose has nothing to do with other people, reaching other people for Jesus, you're missing the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and certainly I will be with you always to the very end of the age. His last command, and that was a deathbed wish, just before he died, Just before he left for heaven, he said, go into all the world. His final, final command really must be our first priority. Pray, give, go. How can we do that together? You know, it's one thing to say, man, if that's all on my shoulders, how do I get that done? But what if we work together and that's what this church has done for many, many years? And I want to highlight that a little bit. How can we pray? How can we give? How can we go? How can we do this together? Last week, we talked about doing it through our 80 missionaries, and many of you give faithfully, faith, promise, giving, month in, month out to support our missionaries. Like Nancy, there's no way they go without us uh, praying for them and giving. We're all a part of the team. We're all absolutely essential. They're the go team. We're the pray, give team and both are absolutely vital. Today, we're going to talk about Global Church Partnerships, and I want to ask our ushers to come down the aisle and make sure everybody received one of these brochures. If you were not at the banquet, then you probably haven't received one of these. Just flag down the ushers as they come down. Wave your hand, and they'll make sure they hand you one of these. I really want everybody to have one of these, to be praying about our Global Church Partnerships, to celebrate all that's happened these last 10 years, and what's coming up here as we move ahead in 23, 24, and 25. I really want to make sure you have this. So go and flag them down. I know people were out of town, weren't able to be with us. We'd really love for you to have that. Last week, we celebrated sending short-term outreach missions trips and and partnering with our global church partnership missionaries and, and pastors in different regions, missions regions around the world. We send teams. We do construction. We help buy property. We help buy vehicles. We do water ministry, water wells, water tanks, uh, you know, uh, medical missions. We do compassion work, children's work, youth work. Uh, we do pastor training. We do uh, men's and women's work, and, and on and on it goes. So much goes on uh, through uh, the teams that go out, and we celebrated 10 years of that, and this brochure is really a, a recap of the things that we celebrated. In fact, uh, if you, if you look closely, you'll see in 2013, uh, we started our global church partnership dream and vision, and we went to Iswatini. That was our very, very uh, first global church partnership. And uh, as we made our way to uh Swatini, we uh, got involved in pastor training and construction and children's outreach. Uh, we helped with water wells, which was really important to us to show the compassion of Christ. Uh, you see a picture here. Uh, of, uh, of me and Eswatini holding uh, a little baby. I remember distinctly uh, sending a message to my wife saying, I'm not coming home alone. Uh, and, of course, she was all for it. I mean, these, these kids are just absolutely darling. And then when you put on top of that obvious fact, many of them are without their mom and dads because of uh, the fact they died because of the AIDS epidemic. Many grandmas are raising their children. Never forget it. They're called go-go's. How many grandmas out there feel like you got to go-go to be able to keep up with everything? Well, they're called go-go's. And uh, it's just you know, heartbreaking, heart-rendering. I mean, you're just touched in every way you can imagine. Eric is pictured on the right-hand uh, uh, slide there. If you look closely, you'll notice he has half an arm, as I shared with the folks at the banquet uh, Eric was helping build bricks uh, for church construction and uh, the brick building machine zigged when it should have zagged, severed his arm. But he continued in ministry, continued to work and uh, we were able to help him get trained for pastoral work and now he's a very successful pastor there in uh, Eswatini, formerly Swaziland. So always just a marvelous thing to think about. A couple of years later we made our way to uh, well, actually, in 2013, we really started working with Dr. Pat uh, Reese in a very focused way, and of course, Fenton comes alongside with uh, electrical engineering work. But Pat has been going out doing medical missions for a long time, and we decided to partner together. And uh, you know, she travels to many different places, a lot of places in Africa, and there's surgeries of you know every um, kind imaginable. And uh, you know, that was our second global church partnership. In 2015, we made our way to Sumba, Indonesia. And immediately fell in love with the children there at the House of Hope. Everywhere we go, we link up with one of our local missionaries, and they have us work with uh, some of the other experts' boots on the ground. This picture you've heard me talk about before, if you've been at BCA for any length of time. uh, It's a picture that reminds me of people and places and stories. These girls on the island of Sumba, in many cases, have no future, no hope. Uh, no opportunity to really go to school in many cases, no hope of a future education, a future career. Uh, many of them are exchanged to an old guy for a cow at a very young age. That's how life goes. It's absolutely heartbreaking. But to be able to see more and more kids get into the House of Hope, that's why we're going to go this fall and help build a brand new dorm. And seeing more and more kids be able to stay at the House of Hope is a big dream of ours. And we know that we can help. We can't do it all by ourselves, but, but we want to help. We want to do what we can do. And many of you have traveled to Zoom and been a part of this, and I thank you for that. Pray that God will help us raise the funds to help build that dorm and see that dream come true. In 2017, we made our way to Cuba. I did pastor training and compassion work, uh, kind of on the heels of uh, Hurricane Matthew. We made our way all the way to Baracoa and met uh, uh, Julio and his wife, Elvis as you see on the left. That tarp in the background is where their home used to be, but it was destroyed by the hurricane. And then uh, Pastor L on the right, just heard from him last week or two weeks ago. Uh, We continue to stay in touch. You as a church family, we as a church family, were able to purchase a new vehicle for him uh, this past year so that he can get around and do his work, visit other churches, be an encouragement, be a help. Just such a great blessing. And then in 2018, we made our way to Albania and uh, our team has done construction work and uh, pastoral training, and uh, we provided a a brand-new van uh, for the ministry, compassion work, teaching in the Bible school, children's ministry, and on and on it goes. Um, What a rich opportunity we have to be a blessing in this way. If you weren't with us at the banquet, you're not aware of this, but in the last 10 years, our church family has given $1.3 million to Global Church Partnership. Can you put your hands together and celebrate that? (laughs) That is incredible. That's on top. That's on top of all of our regular work in supporting our 80 missionaries, which is really such a fundamental thing. This is just kind of on the top, you know, in our spare time when we have nothing else to do. Um, what a powerful testimony. At this next slide, you'll notice that. Um, The annual giving has been really, really solid and consistent even during COVID. uh, Just regular, regular giving to the Global Church Partnerships, again on top of supporting all of our missionaries. I can't thank you enough for your vision, your faithfulness, your heart to reach the lost. You can see in the next slide that our per uh, uh, GCP giving, people are even starting to give now to Portugal even though we don't go there till next January. And through the years, there's been just faithful, faithful giving to each of those areas. Do you know how many storm trips our church family has been engaged in the last ten years? That's right, thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Can you believe that? When I saw that number, I thought that is a lot. That's almost for a year. Now, sixteen are medical missions trips. Have been twenty-one are other kinds of trips. But I just think of the engagement. People spend their own money, they take their vacation time, and they go and they bless other people around the world. I think that's amazing. Would you put your hands together one more time? Let's just uh, thank God for people willingness and availability. It's just absolutely uh, uh, inspiring to see that kind of thing happen. I was trying to add up the different. Uh, storm positions. You know, some people go every year or every other year, so uh, this wouldn't be the actual uh, number of of unique people, but there's got to be over 250, maybe approaching 300 different uh, short-term outreach missions positions that uh, are represented by those 37 trips. It's absolutely inspiring to me, and I can't thank you enough for your faithfulness. The GCP initiative was born in our heart with a vision and a question. The vision is we want to fulfill God's purposes around the world. That's the vision. How can we do that in the most effective way possible? That's the vision, to fulfill God's purposes. And then the question is, how can we help more and more people to become engaged? How can we inspire more and more people to become engaged? You know, the purpose of storm trips are Uh, probably obvious to everybody, but in case you haven't really thought it through, the reality is many, many missionaries, and I don't have an updated percentage, but it used to be a vast majority, but many, many missionaries are on the mission field now as a full-time vocational missionary because somewhere along the line, they were able to go on a short-term outreach missions trip. I can think of over five uh, of the folks that we support that uh, went out into missions from our church alone in the last several years. I think that's pretty amazing. You know, there's something about going and seeing and experiencing and, and understanding what's going on that just really is inspiring. When we go on short-term outreach mission trips, you know, we have a couple of values. We, uh, we like to go and, and work with missionaries, the pros, the experts. You know, who is our missionary we can go with? And we go where there's not a lot of people standing in line. God has blessed and used us in a powerful way. I want to invite Maddie Simpson to come on up here. Maddie's one of our very own. Would you give her a big hand, everybody? Come on, Maddie. Maddie has been uh, serving in Indonesia. And uh, as many of you know, because you've supported her, prayed for her, uh, she has been there for the last two years. Tell us what you've been up to.
2: Yeah, so for the first year, I served in Surabaya uh, with John and Corey Taylor, and I worked in the kids' ministry, and then I moved to the island of Sumatra, and I worked with see um, Maidon in the city of Maidon on the island of Sumatra.
0: And so when you're uh, there, you've got this feeding program that has just really, really developed. Maybe share a little bit with how that thing started small and it kind of grew and grew and grew.
2: Yeah, so I was given an opportunity to... Um, give the church opportunity for outreach. So my job was to pray about things that we could do, that could have the church come alongside of us and go out. And so I prayed and I thought a small way we could start is just feeding people. And so there's a lot of communities in Maidon that is called the trash communities where people live off of the trash, they pick it up and then they resell it. And those are the people that we just, a lot of people just walk right past. You're at your car, there's three-year-olds, with a five-year-old coming up to your car selling those things to you every single day. And so i it was just on my heart. And I prayed and I said, okay, let's feed 25 people. So if we do 25 hot meals and 25 simbaco bags, which is like a grocery bag, so it has instant noodles, rice, oil, sugar, the necessities, we can go and pass those out. So 50 items, I think it's doable. So we presented it to the church. And then we went to go shopping, and we realized that it went from 25 to 250 bags that we were able to do in 250 Simbaco bags, so 500 items in all. (laughs) So I thought, okay, let's see what else God can do. And the next month, it again grew from 250 to 400 Simbaco bags and 400 meals. So volunteers come, they cook all the meals, they package it all. The church doesn't pay for anything; it's everyone that comes, and they see what we're doing. There was local businesses that weren't even Christians that were actually Muslim-based um, businesses that were coming and donating items because they said, we don't know what you're doing. We want to serve. We don't know how. When you're in a third world country, you don't realize how overwhelming it can be. You don't know where to start. And so they came to our church and said, we want to help. And so that's how it started.
0: Well, Maddie is quite, uh, quite a worker bee, so I'm not surprised uh, things are going as well as they are. Uh, you know, Maddie, we've talked, but share with the folks a little bit about how storm trips, BCA storm trips has contributed to your call to missions.
2: Yeah, so I attended, I think, my first storm trip in 2016. I went to East Watini. And I always loved mission weekend. I was always sitting probably all the way in the back, sitting and enjoying listening to the missionary stories. But I never thought I would be able to be the one to go until um, storm trip started coming up, and I thought, okay, I've prayed, I give, and now I'll do my two weeks, I'll do my part, and I'll go. Um, and so I was able to go and serve in Iswatini, and then the opportunity come, came up to do medical missions in Sumba, and so we fl- I didn't know where it was. I was like, honestly, I don't really know where Indonesia is, but I'll go, <laughs> and so I hopped on the plane. It looked like we did an emergency landing. We landed in Sumba. And um, God really began to break my heart. And I thought, I'll do my two weeks and then I'll go home. But when you go and you serve and you're able to see the things that you give towards, God really begins to break your heart. He begins to open your eyes to those things. That I was able to see what my funds were investing in. There was a child that came to the house of hope. And they asked, why are you so excited to come? And he said, because I know I'll have rice three times a day. It's those things that God begins to break your heart and why storm trips are so important. I always say, even if you can just go on one, you're able to see what your funds go to. You're able to invest in things that are going to last forever. So, Mm. yeah.
0: That's exciting, Maddie. Maddie is home for a bit here this year, and then she's going to head back. And I'm going to ask her to stand out at the table in the lobby so you can stop by and visit with her. Uh, She'll be raising support to get back to Indonesia, and we're just so proud of her. And uh, she has some very famous parents in our church. How many know Pastor John and Jen Simpson? So uh, we're very, very proud of Maddie. Would you give her a big, big hand? Thank you, Maddie. (laughs) There are several others out uh, doing missions work uh, that really God spoke to them through our uh, uh, storm trips. You know, we are really excited that we're able to get back to uh, uh, planning youth storm trips. And I just believe in my heart that God's going to call some of our young people to full-time missions. And I just want you as a congregation to be praying with me as we get back to, you know, every four years we'd love every other year for our youth to go on a storm trip. Get two cracks at it at least. Maybe they can only go on one, but get two cracks at going on a storm trip during their uh, high school uh, tenure here at BCA. And would you pray with me that God will move on their hearts and call some of them to missions? And would you consider supporting our youth when the opportunity is provided here in the next few months? We're going to want to raise some money to help get as many of them to go as they possibly can. We're really looking forward to that trip here in 2024, and uh, I I want you to be praying with me about that. In the last few minutes that we have, I want to uh, invite you to just think about your part. Throughout this entire uh, series of Lent, and certainly the last three weeks, I have continually made the statement, when it comes to giving, that's a very personal question. What is God laying on my heart to give? And I want to invite our ushers to come down with one more handout here, and it's basically a pledge card. If you were at the banquet, you already received it. But it's a pledge card that says, hey, I'd like to make a uh, gift to the Global Church Partnership Outreach at BCA, or maybe God has laid on your heart a specific GCP that you really, really want to throw your heart into. Maybe it's Eswatini, maybe it's Sumba, maybe it's Albania, whatever the case may be, medical missions, et cetera. Spend some time with God in prayer and fasting. Ask God what he would have you give. And then let me add one more thing. Consider going on a storm trip sometime this year or next year or even three or four years from now if you need more time to prep. As we look ahead to the next 10 years, I want you to stop and think about just a couple of things. You see on the screen, we're planning to go to a couple places the next couple years. And on the next slide, you'll see we have a short-term outreach missions info meeting right after this service in room 148. Basically, boom, right over that away, next to the chapel. Even if you're not sure you're going to go, even if you're just kind of interested in learning about it, make sure you drop by the meeting you can't make the meeting, there's a sign-up sheet at the table. Let us know of your interest. We'll be in touch. As we look ahead to the next 10 years, I want you to think about this reality. 2033 is the 2,000-year anniversary of the Great Commission of Jesus. Now, I know some say Jesus was born in 1 B.C. or 2 B.C. or 1 A.D. or 2 A.D., but, but just work with me a little bit. If Jesus lived 33 years Then in 33 A.D., he gave a great commission to his disciples, and he said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. The great commission is not impossible. It's just unfinished. And you and I need to work together somehow, some way, to do our part. Every church needs to ask that question. BCA, we're very, very passionate about being faithful to fulfill the great commission. Is it possible to grow from five to 10 global church partnerships over the next 10 years? I don't know, but we're sure going to try. Is it possible to go from supporting 80 missionaries to 100? Some come, some go. That's going to take quite a bit of challenge, quite a bit of finances. Can we continue to do two or three or more? Storm trips every single year? Can we go from raising $391,000 a year like we did last year to half a million dollars every year to reach people around the world for Jesus? How many know everybody needs to hear about Jesus? What's the value of a soul? As American Christians, I think it's important for us to ask the question, what can I sacrifice so that I can give? And that's a personal question that I invite you to ask. One of the big, big things we're praying about that I want you to be aware of so you can pray with us about is this year alone, we would love to raise $250,000 for Global Church Partnerships. Now that will take a heroic effort. But you know, we serve a great God. And every year there are people that do something special. They sell property or get an inheritance, or something happens. They go, I want to build a dorm in Sumba. I want to help with that church project in Albania. And you see our hopes and dreams and how we'd like to reach out to the various global church partnerships the dorm, the, the new church construction, working with many projects in Cuba and Eswatini and, and medical missions. A hospital needs supplies and equipment. And, while that amount's just a drop in the bucket, it would be a great start. God, what would you have me to do? That's always the question. What would you have me to do? Use us, God. Use us, God. One of my life verses, and a compelling, compelling verse is Acts 1-8, where it says, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Sometimes during missions weeks like this, I'll have people come up and say, hey, why are we giving so much money to missions? We got so many needs in our own backyard in our community. And then during our Bethany Compassion Center weeks, I have people come up saying, how come we're doing so much in our community? There's so many needs around the world. And my answer always is the same. Jesus didn't leave that up to us to decide. He said, you got to do both. In fact, you need to do all four. For us, our Jerusalem is Everett. This is the city that we're planted in. Judea is our Snohomish County. Samaria, we look at that as stateside missions. There are a lot of missions work that are based in America, but you know, spread their uh, work around the world. And then, of course, the ends of the earth is, of course, our global missions that we've been talking a lot about. So we feel compelled to do more in all four? How do you like that for a slogan? How can we do more locally and globally? Well, one of the ways is by praying, by fasting, by giving, and by going. As we bow our hearts and heads in prayer and close, I want you just to think about what God is saying to you. This Lent Let's live, love, and lead like Jesus by caring for the lost more than ever before. This Lent, let's pray, God, may my heart align with your heart. This Lent, make a missions pledge. This Lent, pray for our missionaries. This Lent, consider going on a short-term outreach missions trip. If not this year, next year, or if not next year, the year after, maybe sometime in the next three or four years. God, God, this Lent would you bend our heart toward the heart of Christ through the exercise of spiritual disciplines as we practice sacrifice and frugality and generosity may our heart align with your heart that card that we handed out friends is a great tool to use I'm going to ask the ushers to come on down and we're going to receive a final offering you put your card in that bucket. If you'd like to give a cash offering, you can do that. One of the ways I give these days is I just go on the church app, go down to GCPs, and you can pick one if you want, or you can do general giving and just set up a recurring gift. You can do that online, those of you that are watching online. Whatever works best for you. But I want us all just to think carefully and think thoroughly. God, what would you have me to do? as we focus today on our global church partnerships going from five to 10 over the next 10 years, in 10 years from now, we are gonna be celebrating 20 years of global church partnerships. I wonder how many resources we can raise. I wonder how many storm trips we can put together. I wonder how many of us will be called into full-time missions. It's a powerful thing to ponder. Thank you, Jesus, for this church family that gets it, understands the message, and has for years. But Lord, we all pray, continue to grow us in generosity and sacrifice. Continue to align our heart with the heart of Christ. May we have a passion for the lost as you do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you as you give. We're gonna sing a closing song, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you so very much. God bless you, everybody.